you are listening to the Pleasant View Baptist Church preaching podcast. We hope today's message will be a blessing to you and your family. Thank you for taking time to listen to our preaching podcast. So y'all help me pray about that. But uh, 1 Kings chapter number 17, verse number 1. When you find your place, if you would, please stand with me. And we'll read this together. 1 Kings 17, 1. The Bible says this, And Elijah the Tishbite, who was, who was of the inhabitants of, Gil, of Gilead. And, and read that correctly, okay? And, Eli, and Elijah the Tishbite, who was of the inhabitants of Gilead, said unto Ahab, As the Lord God of Israel liveth, before whom, I, before whom I stand, there shall not be dew nor rain these years, but according to the word of the Lord. And we're going to work our way through this chapter with the help of the Lord. Jesus God, I thank you for what you do for us, God. And God, I'm begging you, God, to clear my mind, God, and open up your word, God, and just let it fill our hearts tonight, God. And I'm begging you, God, to get me out of the way, God, and let yourself be magnified tonight, God. And God, I'm begging you, God, that you'd show up in a mighty way, God, and touch us tonight. Anoint our words, God, and I'm begging you, God, to help the church tonight, God. And God, I pray, God, that you'll help me feed your flock tonight, God. And God, I want to be a mouthpiece for you, God. God, I'm begging you, God, to show up tonight and give us what we need. If there's one here lost, God, I beg God, you'll save him before it's everlastingly too late. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. You can be seated. Elijah, probably one of the greatest men that's ever walked in shoe leather on this face of this earth. I believe he's, you can put him up there with Paul and Daniel. Um, I believe you can put him up there with Peter, James, and John. He's a great man of God. Elijah. And Elijah is the man that we're going to look at tonight, and we're going to look into his story tonight. And I want to preach this thought. Elijah the prophet looking for an opportunity. Elijah the prophet looking for an opportunity because that's what he done. He was looking for an opportunity. Can I tell you something we fail in Christians tonight is, is looking for those opportunities. Those opportunities to where we can serve God and where we can be what God would have us to be. And we can be the Christian that God uh, would have us to be. And Elijah, he was looking for that. You say, how do you know that? I said, because when he's introduced... Into our Bible, he's introduced with his face to the enemy. And he is ready to face the enemy. And he is on, he is on the offensive. Uh, and you know what? That's what we need to be in today's time. You know, it's time that we step up and be on the offensive. It's so many times as Christians, uh, we, we see the things going on in the world. And we see things happening around. And we get offensive. And we get on the defense of it. But we need to get this thing reversed and be on the offense. And start attacking the enemy with what God's given us, which is the Word of God. And going and doing what God has called us to do as Christians. And reaching the whole world... Uh, with the whole gospel. But the pages of our Bible, they're filled with accounts of men uh, that seem larger than life, that seem like they're, they're these uh, giants of the faith. And they're men like when I think of Moses and David and Daniel and Paul and others in our Bible, they seem like they're more than human uh, because of their faith. And sometimes that's what we look at them and how we view them. And today, the man that we're going to look at today is no different than that. Elijah is a man that we look at who is, is more than human in some of the things that he done. I mean, he prayed fire out of heaven. You know, I mean, think about stuff like that. But uh, a lot of times we look at it like that. But what we need to realize is that he was just a man, that Elijah was just a man. And we're going to get in that in just a sec second. Um, the book of Peter, I mean, I'm sorry, the book of James describes Elijah like this, that he was a man subject to like passions as we are. 
He was just a man who walked humble and obedient before the Lord. So tonight, for number one, about the life of Elijah, which is a man that is looking for an opportunity. He was sent by God. But I want to look at this man tonight and look at Elijah. Number one tonight, I want you to realize this, that he was a common man. Elijah was just a common man. He was just like me and you. He, was, he, put, he got up every morning and put his britches on one leg at a time, if you want to look at it like that. He was no different. He was, I want to look right here. Look how his home was just a common home. His home was just a common home. The verses tell us that Elijah was from a place called Tishbi in the region known as Gilead. Gilead was a rough, mountainous area known for its high peaks and its deep valleys. The very name Gilead, it comes from the Hebrew word which means raw or rugged. Now this tells us that Elijah was from the backwoods. He was a backwoods man. When he stepped upon the scene and he began his ministry, look right here, his methods, his mannerisms, and his message was rough, and ragged. He was just a burly old man. The Bible even talks about at one point he was a hairy man. And that was his countenance. He was a rough, he was a mountain man. Anybody ever met just a mountain man? Uh, uh, you go up there and get up there around Asheville. Get up there around Burnsville and around those areas up there. They're different creatures. Alright, y'all know Brother Todd McKeon, right? Y'all ever heard him? He's a, he's a missionary. And he'll probably, I, I had he preached my ordination service. I think the world of Brother Todd McKeon. And he'll probably, he'll probably preach for us one of these days when the Lord sees fit. Um, but uh, he's telling us a story one time at a men's prayer retreat about a man who, who, was, who a bear got after his dog. And it was sitting there at its cage and it was reaching in there. I think I shared this with y'all the other night. He was, he was reaching in there and, and trying to paw at his dog. And to me, I'd have went out there and just shot the bear with a gun and went on with life, you know, or shot at it or shot in the air. Just shoo, you know, that's what I'd have done. This old, this old mountain man grabbed a backer stick. Y'all know what a backer stick is, right? We, we country enough, we back in the country, we know what a backer stick is. Uh, he grabbed a backer stick and went over and beat the bear on top of the head and ran it off from his dog lot. Then went, oh, it gets better. He went back and then released the dog, went around the house, got his gun, and sent the dog loose, and then about 10 minutes, 15 minutes later, he brings the dog back and brings the bear back with him. Dead. Killed him, he killed the, not the, not the bear, I mean the dog, but he killed the bear and brought it back. They're different creatures. He was just a mountain man. And that's what Elijah was. He was just a common man, just like me and you. I bet he farmed just like everybody else. You know, I bet that's what he did. I bet, I bet he, didn't, he didn't plow the ground no different than Elisha plowed the ground. I believe no more than just there's neighbor. And he looked like the common man because he was a common man. And I want to I get that across tonight that the men of our Bible, they're just common men. And that God uses ordinary people to do extraordinary work. God uses ordinary people to do extraordinary work. And so, church, tonight I want us to get, realize this and wrap our head around this phrase for our church. Y'all ready? Why not us? Why not us? Why can't our church reach more missionaries than anybody else in the world? Why can't our, mission, why can't our church uh, be closer to God than anybody else? Why can't our church grow a giant youth group? Why can't our church do this, that, and the other? Why not us, church? And that's what I think a lot of times we look and we look around and we say, man, there's just a few of us here. There's just a few of us here. And a lot of times it can get discouraging. I'll be honest with you, it can. You beg God to fill the pews up and you beg God for somebody to come. You're begging God and nothing happens. I, I've seen it. I, I know how discouraging that could be. But I want you to wrap your head around this thought of why not us? We're just an ordinary church trying to do the extraordinary. That's what we're trying to do tonight. 
But look right here, Elijah was a common man. But look right here, his home was common. But look right here, his humanity was common. We are given an interesting insight into the prophet Elijah in the book of James. Let me read this. I've already shared part of this verse with you. Let me share the other part. Elias was a man. This is what James said about Elijah. Elias was a man subject to like passions as we are. And he prayed earnestly that, he might not, that it might not rain. And it rained not on the earth by the space of three years and six months. And he prayed again. And the heaven gave rain and the earth brought forth her fruit. As one follows the life of Elijah, it becomes clear that he was a mere mortal. He was just like me and you. He was a man with a fiery temple, a temper, one who was prone to bouts of depression, and he also suffered from loneliness uh, due to his life of, of being in, solid, and in solidarity um, uh, from which he ministered. Because a lot of times he ministered, he was by himself. He is out, I mean, if you think about when he's over there next to the Brook Sheriff, which we're going to talk about in just a second, he had to have a lonely time. It was very lonely. But it was, his, uh, his humanity was common. God is trying to emphasize here that he's not looking for spiritual giants to use for his glory. He is simply looking for people who are readily obeying him. He's looking for some people that will say, I don't care what the world says. I don't care what nobody else says. I want to follow God. And that's what the Lord is looking for. Elijah was just a willing vessel. Elijah was just somebody who wanted to follow God. And he's, he just followed him wholeheartedly. He went wholeheartedly after God. In church, let me tell you what you need to do. Let me tell you what I need to do. We need to pin our ears back and put our focus on God and let Him guide our ways. You want to see God do great and mighty things which we know not? Follow God. Seek God. You want Elijah moments in your life? Follow God. Obey God. That's what he's looking for. That's how he was. That's what made him so great was that he just obeyed God. You see that there is nothing in, in, in all of his known about Elijah until he steps onto the scene in the presence of King Ahab. He was a nobody from nowhere, but he, and, uh, but he was a handicap uh, by the Lord. Or his hand, not handicap, he was handpicked by the Lord God to do His will to carry out His message in a way that God wanted Him to do it. He was handpicked by God to be right in the middle of Ahab. And can I tell you right now, you've got an Ahab out there that God has handpicked you to stand before. I don't know what the king in your life is or what it is in your life that you need to face, but whatever it is, you need to face it and tell it that God is bigger than anything that it can become, that God is greater than anything it can be, and that God loves you, and that you love the Lord, and that no matter what that king in your life does, you're going to serve the Lord. You know, sometimes that, that may be a job. Uh, I've had jobs before where I've had to work on Sunday, and I'm here to tell you, that killed me. This is before I announced my call to preach, obviously, but I, I had a job where I had to work on Sundays, and I'm telling you, I argue with my boss all the time, about wanting time off on Sunday, and it just never worked. I got to where I worked like five or six Sundays in a row, and you start doing that, you're out of church. I mean, you might as well just, you, your heart's right, your intentions are right, but I can intend to go to church all I want to, but until I actually do it, I'm out of church. That's what it boils down to. A simple matter of fact, and that's the truth. You know what I had to do a day in my life? I had to realize that I'm going to have to stand up before that. And that that job wasn't going to close on Sundays. So I had to start praying and ask God to give me a job that closed on Sundays. Or that was off on Sundays. And then he gave me a job. And ever since he gave me that second job, I've never, I've never worked a day on, I've never worked a single second on Sunday. Uh, I've been off every one of them for, since, I guess, 2013, 2014. Sometime around there is when I, was, when I quit working there. But God will give it to you. You just got to stand up to those giants. 
You've got to stand up to those kings in your life that's, that's trying to do the things against God. Let me tell you what needs to happen in the world that we live in. We need to stand up to these things that are wrong. If it's wrong, if God said it was wrong in the Bible, it's wrong. Homosexuality is wrong. It's not right. God never ordained that. It was, that's wrong. Drinking, drinking alcohol, it's wrong. We, we, we need to get back to that. If it says it was wrong here, it's wrong now. And I think we've, we went along the ways of, well, we don't want to offend nobody. We don't want to hurt nobody's feelings. But I tell you what, we need to realize that we're just common people and that they're just common people and that we need to tell them they're wrong. They're wrong for that. You say, you, you going to tell somebody they're wrong for drinking? Absolutely. It's wrong. Uh, Cold to call them out on it. You better be careful. Cold to call them out on it. Uh, I've heard some people he's called out. It was pretty funny. But Elijah was a common man. But look right here. Uh, not only was Elijah a common man, but Elijah was a courageous man. Let me tell you what we need. We need some courageous men. We need some courageous ladies. I understand ladies have their place and ladies have their part, but you can still be courageous. Men, you need to be courageous. Let me tell you, I'll just go ahead and say this. Let me tell you in today's, in, in today's age what a courageous woman looks like. Husband, you're right. You're going to lead this home. When it's, it's courageous, and I know that's crazy to think, but it's courageous for a woman to realize that the man is the leader of the home. He is. Bible to back it up. Uh, the, the husband is the head of the house. He's supposed to lead the family. He's supposed to love on the family. In the day in which we live, it's hard for women to take that step back. A courageous woman would be one that stepped up and said, Honey, you're, you, 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 you rule this house. You do. You're, you're, ultimately, you're the one who makes the, the, the ultimate decisions. We're going to work in this together. But ultimately, you're the one that guides us. And men, it's time for us to be courageous and lead our families in the way that we should do. We should wake up in the morning and beg God for a protective hedge about our youngins. We should pray God protect our wife. We should pray to God protect our wife's mind. Let me tell you, we should pray to protect our mind. That was one of the things that I was going to preach on. And the Lord may let me before long. I'm going to preach on the marriage. I'm going to preach on the mind. We're going to preach on money. We're going to preach on muscles. And what I mean by that is our work and what we do for God. Try to use the letter M and go through things. But you know what it takes to be courageous? Sometimes, man, we've got to step up and lead our home in, in prayer. It's our job to lead our home in Bible reading. I fail at that. I don't, I don't do a good job at reading the Bible with my family as a whole. I need to do a better job at that. And it's our job to be courageous men and stand up against that. Elijah was a courageous man. Elijah stood before the king Ahab, who could have killed him at any moment. And he said, I, the, the, the God of Elijah is the God that we need to serve. The God of Elijah, this God that we've served from the beginning is the same God. See, I, I need to fill you in on probably where we're at here, but the, 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 all the nation of Israel had started worshiping Baal. And King Ahad, as the Bible says in the book of Kings, he done evil, that which was evil in the sight of the Lord. And they had started worshiping the idol Baal. And Baal, I'm telling you, that they had done some wicked things uh, uh, with Baal and, it was a, and how they worshiped Baal. But there was a ruler here in Israel that said that he was saying that we're going to worship Baal. Could you imagine, think about this, God's people worshiping a different God besides God. Think about that, besides Jehovah. It's hard for us to imagine, but that's what they were doing in those days. And Elijah stepped up and said, No. I think it's interesting, too, when you study out the life of Elijah, you learn about a man by the name of Obadiah. Obadiah held 100 prophets in two different caves, and 50 in each cave. He, 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 he hid 100 of them. You know what? That would have been 101 if you count Obadiah. 
that would have stood behind Elijah, but Elijah didn't wait on them. You know, Elijah didn't say, hang on, Ahab, I got a hundred over here hiding in a cave. No, he didn't say that. He stood before Ahab, and he declared the God of Israel to be the right and only God, and we're going to get into it. But he defiled a foolish ruler, the king of Israel, during the time of Elijah. He was just a little toad of a man named Ahab. According to the Bible in 1 Kings 16, 30 and 33, Ahab was the most wicked king that ever sat on the throne of Israel. Besides that, he was married to a wretchedly evil woman by the name of Jezebel. She was a daughter of the king of Zidon. These two were an offense to the Lord. 1 Kings 16.31 Jezebel was from a group of people who were uh, Baal worshippers. She was also along with her husband Ahab did more to introduce the worship of Baal to the people of Israel than any other ruler of the nation of Israel. The reason Baal was being worshipped it was because King Ahab and his wife Jezebel. And uh, um, th uh, this is an illustration right here in 1 Kings 16.34 where a man named um, Ahael, I can't pronounce his name, um, uh, attempted to rebuild Jericho, which was in a direct disobedience of the clear command of God in Joshua 6.26. Yet it was to this king that God sent J uh, the prophet Elijah, to this very king right here, this wicked king that brought the Baal worship in. Elijah didn't worry about offending him, about offending his God. I promise you, you go to stand up and this will get you in trouble. Other religions, you go to stand up against them, you're going to offend somebody, I promise. I promise you, you go to stand, let me promise you this right here. You do, and I, and I, I mean, I don't know how far I'm going to get through this now, I'm going to get as far as I can and I'll quit. But uh, uh, you think about the religion of Christianity, if you want to look at it like that. And you look at the, 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 the statistics of Christianity. The, they say that there's like 78 to 80 percent of the United States is Christians. 78 to 80 percent are Christians. But listen, under that same statistic, that follows your Catholics, Catholicism. And I'll say this right here, and I'll say this right now. Catholicism is sending people to hell. It's sending people to hell is what it's doing. Do you, you mean to tell me there's not going to be Catholics in heaven if they get saved? If they get saved, if they, believe, if they ask the Lord of Jesus Christ in their heart, they'll be in heaven. I believe on my heart they will be. But the way that religion, that man has created around that, it's sending people to hell. And I promise you, you go, you go talk to other so-called Baptist preachers about it, they'll get offended on that. They'll get upset. And they'll, they'll, call you, they'll call you out on things. And you're like, that's just wrong. I'm just doing what Elijah done. All I'm doing is trying to take my stand on Mount Carmel and say that my God is the God of this world. My God is the one true and only living God. He was there at the beginning. He'll be there now and He'll be there in the end. That's the God I'm trying to tell you about. And they'll get offended from it. But he stood up against this evil ruler. Elijah walked right into the presence of King Ahab and delivered a message from the Lord. He did it without flinching. He told Ahab that there would be no rain or dew until he said there would be. That took courage. That took courageous. This man would have killed him if he had the opportunity. Ahab would have cut his head off if he had the opportunity. And he said, I don't care. I got a message from God. And I got to get it to King Ahab. And he did. <clears throat> I, I, I was reading today and I was reading after a preacher that shared a story um, about standing up to what's right and doing what's right. Listen to this story. Uh, the preacher, is, and this is how it goes, he says he told a wonderful story about how he was sitting reading the newspaper one day. 
that there was a council meeting being held the next day in San Francisco, and he thought he'd go to the city council and hear the particular issue. It was a, it was a homosexual, it, right, homosexual rights issue. He thought, I can't just sit here and let this pass. He didn't take anyone with him. He didn't take any uh, placards. He didn't march against them like many of them had marched against some of the things he was saying. It's not uncommon for his services to have been interrupted by lesbians and homosexuals. He just went to the city council meeting by himself. He sat there and heard the legislation. The council was about to take a vote. The chairman said, Is there anyone here who has anything to say? No one moved. Then this man stood up and said, I'd like to say something. He walked to the platform, stated his name, that he was a citizen residing in Sunset District of San Francisco. The man behind the podium said, What would you like to say? He replied, Well, I would like to say nothing for myself, but I would like to read a quote from three individuals that I've respected for years. He read it to them from Moses in Leviticus, from one of the Psalms of David, and from Paul in Rome, in Romans. Number one, he didn't preach, he didn't scream, he didn't sermonize. He just closed his Bible and sat down. They said, wait, before you sit down, who are those people? He said, Moses, David, and Paul. And someone said, you're reading from the Bible, aren't you? He said, I am. And one of the council members then said, I vote no, and another, and another. They didn't, it didn't pass. He sat down, and with straight thinking, and with courage, he walked out of the room that day. He didn't get mad. He didn't get upset. He just gave them the Word of God. Let me tell you what Elijah done that day to Ahab. He gave them the Word of God. We don't have to go out there with our signs and hold it up and stick it in their face. All we got to do is give them the Word of God. That's all we got to do. They're going to come with their signs and their picket fences. and They're going to want to move on you. All you got to do is give them the Word of God. His Word will not return void. It's when we get, when at the end of days, when Satan has every military weapon that's ever been created, he has it at his arsenal, and he sets his target on the Lord Jesus Christ. All the Lord's going to do is give him the Word of God. The Word's going to come out of his mouth like a two-edged sword, and it's going to kill the, the army of Israel, or the army of Satan. It's going to kill him. That's what it's going to do. That's what the Word of God will do. Think about this right here. When you think about the whole armor of God, there's no offensive weapons except for the Word of God. Because you have no offense. You can't go on the offense without the Word of God. Tell you what Elijah done? He pulled out his sword. His, his, his sword was the Word of God. He pulled it out and he handed it to Ahab that day. He handed it to Ahab. Each of us needs to manifest this same kind of courage. America today is headed down the same road that Israel was back then. We are, we are sacrificed our innocence for the pleasures of the flesh. We have openly mocked the written word of God. We have turned a deaf ear to, cry, to the cry of millions of the unborn who are slain in the name of convenience every year in this country. We have paid homage to the onslaught of sexual, uh, sexuality explicit programming that invades our homes on a daily basis. We have sacrificed our morality to gratify our flesh. We, uh, we have uh, watched in mock horror as our sons and daughters yield their bodies to the perversions of um, uh, uh, premarital sex, homosexuality, and lesbianism. We stand by the mute silence while the minds of our own children are captivated by the siren song of prosperity, selfish indul indulgence, and independence from God. We pass their choice off music 
Um, we pass the choice of music off as a fad. We have no say in where they go or what they do. We have watched this once great godly nation become reduced to a stagnant uh, cesspool of iniquity, uh, open sin and outright hostility to God Almighty. After Elijah was taken to heaven in the whirlwind, Elisha took Elijah's mantle and smote it on the waters. He said, where is the God of Elijah? Where is the God of Elijah? This evening, I want you to think about this. We need to grab a hold of Elijah's mantle and we need to pick it up and say, where is the men of the God of Elijah? Where are the men that seek after the God of Elijah? Where are the women that seek after the God of Elijah? We need some people that's going to say it's wrong. Then that it was wrong then, it's wrong today. You say, well, I can't be that hard on my youngin'. Yes, you can. You absolutely can. I got married at 25 years old. We talked about that before. 25 years old. Being, they say now, science says that your, your decision-making part of your brain don't fully develop until you're 25. Makes a lot of sense. I can see a lot of sense in that. Uh, keep them youngins underneath your house as long as you can. Ain't a thing in the world wrong. I, we thought about this, me and my sisters did. All, four, all three of us got married at the same age. There's 10 years apart from me and my oldest sister, but she got married at 25. My next sister got the closest to me. She got married at 25. And then I got married at 25. I think mom and dad done something right. We turned out all right, I think. I mean, I got a lot of issues. Uh, I told somebody yesterday, I got 27 voices in my head, and three of them are talking to me right now. Just watch out. All right, hang on a minute. Uh, I'm just picking. But I, I got married at 25 years old. That means at 25, uh, I had a fiancé, all right? And I was at my fiancé's house. And Mama had given me a curfew of 11 o'clock. 25 years old, fixing to be married in just a few weeks at this point. And Mama has said, you better be home at 11 o'clock. Well, 11.05, I was still sitting at my fiancé's house. I was still sitting at 11.05. We're on the front porch at 11.10, saying goodbye for the night. And I look up, and I hear a car coming, and I say, uh-oh. This ain't good. And there went a little Ford, not, not Ford, a little blue, uh, uh, what'd she have? A Nissan Altima. No, not a Nissan. A Kia Optima. I'll get it right in a minute. A blue 2006 Kia Optima went driving by real slow. And I knew at that moment I had messed up. It was at that moment. I did, I'm 25 years old telling my fiance goodbye on the front porch. I'm going to get in the truck that I paid for. I was making payments on and I back out, and there's Mama's headlights in the road. And she made sure I got home on time. You say, well, she shouldn't have been that hard on you. Thank God she was that hard on me. She wasn't that hard on me. I don't know where I'd be at today. You know what? I don't need, I'll say this right here. If my mama wasn't that hard on me, I don't know if I'd have fit the qualifications of a preacher today. I'd have missed God by 100 miles. I'm thankful my mama was hard on me. I can remember times being with my buddies, and my phone rang. You said you was only going to stay there till this time. Why are you not left yet? I mean, I mean, my phone was the only one that rang. Thank God for that tonight. I, think, I praise God tonight for a mama that said, I'm going to love you and I'm going to take care of you. You know, it's time for us to look at our youngins and say, you are wrong. It's not right for you to do the things you're doing. It's not right for you. So I, I'm telling you, it's getting tied up in here. It's time for us to tell them they're wrong. Don't worry about offending them. Don't worry about offending them. You're worried about hurting their feelings. Worry about losing their soul. Don't worry about hurting their feelings. You need to worry about losing their soul. Care more about their soul than you do their feelings. I tell everybody all the time, I had a drug problem growing up. I'll be honest with you, when I was a kid, when I was Colt's age, a little bit older than Colt probably, I just got to I didn't like going to church. 
be honest with you, it wasn't, I was the only kid there. I didn't like going to church. I didn't have nobody to hang out with. I, 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 the preaching was boring. I just, I just, I'm being real with you, church. I'm going to tell you what, it wasn't a choice. I didn't have an option of if I was going to church. It was expected for me to be on the pew. When I got my keys to my own car, it was expected that my car show up. First of all, it was expected that I went down there and picked my grandma up and bring her to church. It was, respo- it was my responsibility to go with my daddy on the church van and go pick up some people that, didn't want to, that their parents didn't want to bring them to church or some elderly. I promise you that I, there was more things I wanted to do as a 15-year-old kid on a Sunday morning than go hold this little elderly lady's hand as she got off the church van. I didn't want to do that. But thank God for a mom and daddy that made me do it. Thank God for a mom and daddy that said, you're going to do it no matter what. That's courageous. I look at my mom and daddy, I think they're, I see courageous. Because they could have been like everybody else's was. Not cared where I was at. Not cared what I was doing. But they loved my soul enough that they cared more about me. They loved that what I could become. They saw the potential inside of me and wanted me to stay right for them. Stay right for the Lord. It's time that we stand up. Where is the God? I asked this question. Me and my buddy of mine was talking about this one time about Elijah and Elisha. So we know Elisha picked up Elijah's mantle. We know that, right? Who picked up Elisha's mantle? Who picked up Elisha's mantle? I can't find anywhere in the Word of God where anybody picked up Elisha's mantle. You know what? A mantle is something that it's the, it, it's, it's, it, it represents the whole life of whoever dropped it or whoever it failed. It represented their whole life. It represented everything that they ever done. It represented every, every person they ever witnessed to, if you want to look at it like that. It represented every that. You know, there's mantles that have fell over the years, and they've just laid there. They just laid there. I understand this man uh, got sideways at the end of his life, and he started reading out of a different version of the Bible and started believing different, some weird things. And I believe it's because of his mind and because of his youngins and, and different stuff like that. But Billy Graham... I mean, one of the greatest soul winners this world has ever seen. Millions of people, I believe, are in heaven because of Billy Graham's work. But who, who's going to pick up his mantle? You say, well, that's one, of the greatest, well, that's one of the greatest mission fields in the world today. But they're not even reading out the right Bible. They don't even follow the King James Bible. They're in the NIV. They're in a Bible that takes out the Word of God. They're in a Bible that takes out the blood of Christ. They're, you say, well, they're doing a great job. It looks like they're doing a great job, but what are they really doing? They're, 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 I, I, I'm telling you, we got mantles that we need to pick up. Why not us? Why not us just pick up those mantles? Look right here. He and I didn't hardly, I ain't got hardly into this at all. He was a courageous man. We may pick it up next week. But look right here. And that courageous man, he, uh, he defiled a foolish leader. But look right here. He denounced a false religion. He denounced the false religion. When they was up on Mount Carmel, and, and, and we're gonna, I'm going to come back to this. I'm going I'm to come get us a verse on song. That way I'll hush in a minute. But he denounced the false religion. That day up there on the Mount Carmel, that's the most amazing thing that's ever happened that I read in my Bible. One of the most amazing stories. Outside of the resurrection of Jesus Christ, it's one of the most amazing stories. He told the prophets of Baal, he said, he said you pick out what sacrifice you want. You build the altar the way you want it built, the way you perfectly want things to go in your way for your God to succeed. And he said, just go ahead and make two of them. And he said, whichever one catches fire is one. But when they prayed and nothing happened, Elijah said, 
bring the buckets of water. Three different times they bring in this water and dump on. I don't know about y'all, but if you ever tried to start a fire with wet wood, you can't do it. You can't start a fire with wet wood. Let me promise you this right here. God can start a fire with wet wood. And he did that day. And he stood up and defiled. He stood up in straight defiance against the God of Baal. The God kind of, and, and you say, well, how does he... He's just, a, he's, just, he's just a human. The people served Baal, and I promise you, you study out Baal enough, you'll find that it's found its way in religions today. It's still around today. It just may be called something different. Just because they call it something different, don't make it, any, don't make it not of Satan. Just because Satan's not called the devil. You know, I, everybody's blowing up about that awards thing the other day where they... They had the Satan worshiping going on inside of it. Everybody's blowing up at that. I promise you that ain't Satan. I'm just going to throw this out. Satan probably ain't in that because it looks too much like him. I'm just, I'm just going to be honest with you. It wasn't godly. It was unholy and it was wickedness is what it was. But that ain't what, that's what Satan wants you to think he looks like. Let me tell you what Satan looks like. Satan will stand behind, probably, he'll probably be up behind a pulpit on Sunday. Probably telling them just, you know, live a life like you want to today and just as long as you get right before you die. That's how Satan works. He, he works in those wolves in sheep's clothing. That's where he works at. He works in those wolves in sheep's clothing. That's where he's at. He's not going to make himself that obvious. That was just a front. That's all that was. That didn't bother. It bothered me because it's just wicked, but I didn't even watch it. You know, I saw, the, I saw everybody else's reaction to it. I, I could have cared less what they'd done. You need to watch those ones that are wolves in sheep's clothing. You know what? There may come a time you've got to call them out on it. There's ways to do things holy. There is. There's ways to do things the right way. And there is. God, God set a perfect plan for it. And Elijah showed you what it was. Give them the word of God. We're going to pick up on Elijah again next week. But I want to ask you tonight, are you giving everything to God? Are you obeying God the way you're supposed to? Are you wholeheartedly searching God? As we stand tonight, I want you to search your heart. Let me tell you right now, I'm going to go over here and pray myself here in a second. Because I tell you right now, I don't follow God wholeheartedly the way that I should. I can look in my life and I can see things that I fail in. I don't, you say, but well, didn't you just come off of faith? Yeah, I just came off of faith. That don't mean nothing. That don't mean nothing. It's time that we get right with God, church. It's time that we did. So I want you, while she plays tonight, search your heart.